thinking, oh, we're about to be live streamed. So to let's move our conversation in a different direction. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, because you used to have the um, uh, showrooms, which was really your the transport side done by uh, Waterloo. Yes, um, there used to be seven different uh, yes. transport shops. And at one time, there was a regalia shop in Great Queen Street. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, has anyone seen the author? Is he here? No, no. Not, uh, not yet. So, so yes. He hasn't, he hasn't coming yet. I've been checking. Okay, thank you. H how are you, David? Doing fine, doing fine. Sorry, not turning my camera on. It's too early here in states, and I'm He's not in his pajamas. Prepared. <laughs> <laughs> in my t-shirts. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yes, it's um interesting time uh but you know from uh, from the masonic point of view this is the time where everything's all quiet hmm. and then at some point in the next three weeks the group consciousness of freemasons wakes up and they say let's let's start doing things again yes, yes. it really starts to you, you get a lot a lot of it. every well, project you've been waiting for the committee meets and makes a decision and it's all at once for September. Yes, I've been I've been uh, uh, working, you know, training myself on the Hermes project. Oh goes yes, live. he goes live now, so you'll start uh, understanding. Uh, yes, doing all the work on Hermes. And there's a helipad as well. Uh, all sorts of uh, positive things happening. It's, it's actually it's a good system. I mean, uh, considering what it is. Well, it'd be interesting to hear other people, um, but oh, my, my lodge has got a two-year waiting list now. Oh, have they? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how they're going to do the second and third degrees for these people, but yes. Ah, our, our speaker's here. Ah, wonderful. Yes, he joined. He just joined. We have been doing all degrees here in Jamaica you know, for some time now. He's not very good with technology. Installation. Everything. You're muted, Kent. Why do I mute? Yeah, it has. At that first, what we used to do is to sanitize before and after touching. But some people give, giving up on that now. Mm. It is. I'm here at the right time, am I? You're uh, here on perfect time. Oh, wonderful. Because it was a bit confusing. <laughs> Anyway, that's good. I'm here. Hi, Martin. How are you? I, I'm doing magnificently, yes. It's all good here. Oh, well, well, as a newly married man. Um, now, look, if the first child, Kentina, I think, or and it's a boy, Kentley, I think is the way to go, Martin. Kentley, that's a... And, yeah, and but for, if it's a girl, Kentina. Kentina. I can imagine Kentina would be a very... I this on with my... Yeah, I tried to start with my, my daughter, but she wouldn't wear it. So yeah, so now, now you, you need to be the godparent. Yes. Oh, okay. But yes, I, I don't know whether we've, I think we've got our hands full with uh, our pet cat, never mind a child. I think, wow, you know, it's a, a big step up. That's an initiation, that is. Ooh. Having a, you know, actually being a parent, that's a proper change. Yeah. 
How many are we expecting to this little column flab? Well, it's it's hard to tell how many because this is a different time of day. Uh, but we also have it streamed other places. On that subject, um, David, if you could share the, the live stream, I'll make sure that I'll share that around a bit. And then we'll yeah, sure. see the, the numbers of people. The good thing, Kent, is not only is it everyone today, this is up in perpetuity, uh, so that others who wish to be inspired by your words can can do so. Oh, well, <laughs> good luck, good luck uh, with that. <laughs> being the technical ex being the technical expert here, the way Kent's breaking up with his signal, it might be wise if he actually kills his camera just to say the only uses audio bandwidth. Well, I can't understand why. I mean, everything yeah. else. Well, we can hear you clearly, Kent. Okay, the only I can hear myself clearly too. But what right. is happening every now and again is that somebody is freezing for just a few seconds. Whereas at the moment it's fine. Um, should be okay, should it? Mm -hmm. See how it goes. Fun about my book for a while. We'll, we'll wait another uh, three minutes wait past our hour. To turn up, fair enough. So Martin, have your bags all packed? Not quite, but the, the all the talks are rehearsed and the slideshows oh, okay, are in place. So, yes. so have you been to the land of God's own people before? I haven't, no. Oh, oh, dear. Well, so, you're, you're, I have been the other way over 25 times. Oh, my word. So, yes, it's. Uh, I, I'm oh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, you'll take two days to get over the jet lag, at least. You'll be waking up at you know three o'clock in the morning, ready to go, and at three o'clock the next day you'll feel like you want to go to bed for a couple of days. Yes, I I try to use denial for jet lag, but maybe it won't work to that degree. I find going to Japan and back, I find if I just pretend that nothing's changed, then I that I do better. Yeah. So flying where to and where from. So I'm just going to pop out for a sec. I'm going to have to post the link to this talk to right. on the Lewis sites and Twitter and everything. But I'll, I'll be back in the, in the very near future, Kent. Apologies. Okay, uh, I'm not very multitasking. When we're ready to go, tell me. I'll just sit here and look gorgeous. <laughs> Kent, we'll give uh, everyone a few more minutes to try, uh, get on because obviously uh, we still have fine. the stragglers trying to think whether I should go on or not, or listen to on YouTube. So, uh, while uh, Martin, you're doing that, we'll, we'll wait to start. Uh, we'll wait before we start. Not a problem. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, Ma Martin is spreading the good news that you're on now, uh, so they can watch on YouTube if they wish. Well. Uh I'll start talking when somebody tells me to. I'll just sit here otherwise. Um, uh, no, no problem. Uh, let's uh, let Martin finish what he's doing and I'll do your a formal introduction so that everyone knows uh, who you are and it is kept on the That'll recording. Take 10 seconds. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, sp I'll, I'll speak slower then, make it 15. Oh, uh, well. Okay. <laughs> Spread it out a bit. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, in the meantime, while we're waiting, Ken, I, I have got your wonderful 1984 book, Masonic World Guide. What a what a thriller it is in its own right. It's a it's a it's a great book. Ah, uh, well, you know. <laughs> and and uh, it's interesting that that book was published in 1984, the first time round. First time I read it. Yeah, and everyone thought uh, up to 20 years later, masonry was secret. All they had to do go and look for the book, and there was no. <laughs> It's no more secret than anything else. Uh, so do you want me to briefly start with... Yes, yeah, so just let you know, I'm, I'm ready to talk engaged. about this. Okay. Um, okay, Martin, are we ready to rock and roll? We this? certainly okay. are. Okay. The, the whole so, world should know you're here. Okay. So, okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to a Supreme Order. Um, recording, Hashu. Sorry? Oh, yes, I'll start recording as well. So, there we go. Let me do that but Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, welcome to Spiral Legaria Order, should I say. Uh, uh, it is wonderful to have you all uh, this afternoon. Normally we are for the evening crowd, but as we have a speaker from the other side of the world, it's wonderful uh, to have a daytime uh, engagement. Um, our speaker this afternoon is Brother Kent Henderson, uh, aiming at spreading the life word around the world and promising acquisition of Gnosis through dedicated breathing, Superior Order and Lewis Masonic, under the mutual initiative, Legere Order, Dare to Read, have the honor to house the Right Worshipful Brother Kent Henderson, who having obtained Diploma of Teaching, Special of Education, Graduate Diploma of Education, Master of Education, is past Grand Inspector of Workings and a member of several craft lodges in Australia and overseas, including the Grand Master's Lodge Dublin. He's a full member of both the Lodge of Research Dublin and the Premier Lodge of Research Port Coronati and is ever Australian full member. He's a past master and fellow of the Victorian Lodge of Research and a former long-term co-editor of the transaction. He's also a member of, and in most cases, a past master for, or equivalent of many additional Masonic orders. And in this, in the secretary of four lodges, he is, uh, he is um, Sorry, he is in many additional Masonic secretary for. He's a former long-term secretary and currently immediate past master of a former long-term. Oh, sorry, my eyesight is bad, so I apologize. Uh, he is a uh, Australian New Zealand Masonic Research Council. Was a Kellerman lecture, lecturer for Victoria in 1994. He's the author of many books and papers on Freemasonry, including uh, Masonic World Guide, Lewis Masonic. London 1984, the Masonic Grand Masters of Australia, Drakeford, Melbourne 1989, Freemasonry Universal, a new guide for the Masonic World, Volumes 1 and 2, Global uh, Masonic Publications, Melbourne 2001, uh, and Gorsa Mark Ferber, the North American edition of the same book, 2007, and Millennial Masonry, his collected papers, Global Masonic Publications, 2002. He's often sought, sought as a speaker and has spoken in lodges in England, Europe, New Zealand, Africa, Canada, the United States, and across Australia. He holds the Grand Lodge of South Australia Diploma of Masonic Education. He was awarded the Dan a Danish 250th Anniversary Commemorative Medal in 1993 by the Grand Lodge of Denmark for his outstanding contribution to international Masonic research and is listed in Who's Who Australian Writers. Thorpe, 1991 at all. 
and the international who's who of writers, 1995. Martin, over to you. Thank you. This brief introduction to Kent's commitment to Freemasonry and interest to Masonic orders and research doesn't really express how much he's done and how genuinely involved he is. So it's a funny thing in life. Every time I, I look something up, you know, and I'm researching the history of a Masonic order or something, I find Kent there. Or when there's someone to contact in Australia or something, it's Kent. And if you talk to him, he's fully engaged. He, he loves this. You know, he's, he's involved in these things because it's, it's, it's his calling. Now, you heard some of these early uh, books by Kent with Lewis Masonic. And I'm extremely happy that we've, we've brought him back into the fold with this book. This book, which is going to help us focus a little bit on the famous Freemasons, the brothers that have been through the same things as, as us and had the same lessons, but have stood out in the world in various different ways. Now, some people might ask, why? Why are we interested in famous Freemasons? In order to answer this question in a, a way which I think is indisputable, but also fascinating, I'd like to paraphrase William Preston, who in his 1772 book, uh, Illustrations of Freemasonry, said that it was a common and established practice for Freemasons to emulate brothers of great achievement or intellect. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? At the time, they used to look for people to look up to. And this is something we don't do so much now. And I think Kent has helped bring this back a little bit. <coughs> now, you will see and you'll hear uh, about Freemasons, which are a mixed bunch. You know, that not everyone here is a saint. But our Masonic ritual gives us some important advice on this. It tells us that what we see reprehensible in others, we should eliminate from our, our own practice and personality and emulate what we see as admirable. Freemasons are humans. And uh, one of the things you see when you, you publish a book on famous Freemasons is people saying that that person did this and that person did that. We're here to, to take the gold, but also to learn the lessons from people's lives, to be inspired and uh, to be entertained by learning about the other brothers and what they did and what their involvement in Masonry was. Over to you, Kent. Well, thank you, Martin. It's a wonderful introduction. Uh, totally undeserved, but I will proceed anyway. So what we're going to talk about tonight, amongst other things, is this little tome called Freemason, Famous Freemasons Who Changed the World. Um, I've been thinking about writing this book for a number of years, six years, uh, 300 Famous Australian Freemasons, which is definitely a tome. And uh, it did very well. Um, but there's only about three people in this book or in the newest book. 
And the main reason I wrote it was what Martin was talking about. Um, to expound the virtues of Freemasonry through the outstanding people directly to the wider community. And this book is written, uh, when you have a look at it, assuming that the reader knows nothing about Freemasonry. That's the first assumption that's made. So anybody picking up this book can go through it, the initial chapters, with knowing nothing about Freemasonry. They can go through the introduction, which I'll do shortly, uh, as the reasons I've actually written the book. Then it goes through a section called The Nature and Purposes of Freemasonry, which explains five pages what Freemasonry is actually all about. Then I go into a very brief look at Masonic history, and that runs for three pages. I've taken Masonic history and I've squashed it into three pages succinctly. What a Masonic Lodge is, what a Worshipful Master is, what a Grand Master is, because these things are brought up in the book itself. And if you know nothing about Freemasonry, and I'm suddenly talking about most worshipful brother so-and-so, they won't have a clue what you're talking about. So it's in the book to begin with. And then I go on to 110 individual um, entries concerning the 110 famous Freemasons or in this, I'll say, which comes back to a little bit what Martin was saying, is in the foreword to the book, which has been written by my very good friend, the Right Honourable, the 12th Earl of Dunmore, um, who is a uh, most uh, outstanding Freemason in himself, but we're not talking about the Earl at the moment. But in his uh, rather over the top foreword, he says this, it's incredible that most importantly, it displays not only the achievements of its subjects, but in so doing, I believe, it exhibits to all what a powerful force for good that Freemasonry has been and continues to be to the present day. For such an or any organisation to have attracted over the centuries members of such eminence across so many fields of endeavour, explanatory. Um, therein lies a little bit of my thinking behind writing this book. But let's get to the introduction, and I will read the entire introduction to you because it does explain. Um, all the things that are pertinent, and it reads as follows. But surely only important people can join a Masonic Lodge? Question mark. There was certainly there was certainly been a myth historically along these lines, as this book will clearly demonstrate. It is true that many men of rank and importance have been visited, President of the United States and great men of science, arts, music, and letters. The current Grand Master of the United Grand Lodge of England is His Royal Highness the Duke of Kent. However, it needs to be quickly added that historically, hundreds and thousands of writable Freemasons. Now, in writing a, a, a biographical work of this nature, it is fraught, and definitely was fraught, with some peril. Gaining the necessary data, the necessary information given the research was not particularly taxing. Vigils to be included was infinitely more difficult. I mean, who to include, who to leave out? I aimed at 100, but in the end, as I just said a moment ago, I finished up with 110, but it could easily have been 500 or more. Certainly that number of Freemasons who included. But as author, I had to make a number of subjective decisions and to draw a line on producing a single book or what would have had to have been 
a multi-volume dictionary of biography. The other consideration I set myself is in the changed the world. Again, this is subjective, but I am confident that most readers will agree that my chosen subjects meet this criteria. So how does one determine fame? It's all relative. There, there will be a subject, subsequent argument, no doubt, over the virtues of some who I have included and others who I may have admitted. Uh, look, two authors writing the same book would come up with two different lists. But in writing this book, I have to say, was the paupacy of early Masonic records. In bygone times, the keeping of large minutes was infrequent, and no doubt many minutes or records have been lost in various wars or other calamities, fires, um, proving that a particular person was a Freemason is far from straightforward. Uh, a great Masonic example is that of uh, uh, Elias Ashmole. Uh, now his Masonic membership is attested in two entries in his civil verification is non-existent. We accept that he's a Freemason on the basis of his two entries in his diary. But we do not know which lodge he was a member of, when he was passed, initiated, raised, none of those things. There are mothers uh, either suspect or completely lacking. Prominent people such as diverse as Napoleon Bonaparte, Thomas Edison, Louis Armstrong, Harpo Marx have been variously claimed to be Freemasons. And Napoleon, Napoleon possibly was, certainly some is non-existent. We don't have it. Uh, Armstrong and Marx uh, both effectively refuted membership, although they were to some extent members of analogous sort of organisations. Um, however, there is little doubt, and this is an important point, that where a lodge has a famous brother, that is almost certainly to be made widely known, not kept to uh, subjects who in my view can be claimed on the balance of possibility probabilities. Uh, and the evidence of those probabilities is in the book, such as Kemal Ataturk, the founder of modern Turkey, Beethoven, Christopher N. As example, Masonic membership, all those in my book will stand up to scrutiny. They were Freemasons, but that's where the connection ends. Some were very active Masons. Some merely joined and remained inactive for all or most of their life. Uh, it grabs some men more than others, and as a result, some men are more involved than others, or not infrequently. Uh, for busy men, it comes down to available time, despite whatever might be their best intentions. Most men have new uh, with both career and family, but they always remain 24 hours in the day. May I may I interrupt, Kent? Uh, this is David again. Uh, your your image and audio is cutting all the time. I I, I was looking at uh, my side, but I cannot do anything here. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll stop the I'll stop the video and okay. now I'll just okay. on that audio. I'll have that will be better. That may help. That may help. Thank you. We'll see how we go. I am on. I am twelve thousand mile away from you. That shouldn't be too much yeah. of an issue. The point is, and a very important point, that it would be most subjective and indeed unjust to judge any man on the depth of his involvement in Freemasonry, which teaches that family and career and then lodge should be the order in which one conducts one's life. The descriptions in my book, therefore, have been written not to elicit profound insights. Uh, weighty biographies have been written on many of the, most of the subjects in several. Weighty biographies you can read 
if you want to know what colour underpants the fellow wore where he went to school. Now, in my case, what I have done is my entries are merely summaries, snapshots of the praise of the life of each subject, which are only two pages long or occasionally three. My endeavour was to succinctly connect each of my subjects with Freemasonry and to demonstrate, hopefully, that the 110 subjects that I've dealt with herein have, to various extent, changed the world, and for the better, even if only by example. Indeed, the Masonic story as a universal Freemasonry, as a universal fraternally, can be capsulized in its stated aims of brotherly love, relief and truth. Several million individuals have over the last 300 plus years uh, the ideals which uh, here, uh, here I deal with only a small section of the most prominent. Now, consider in your mind for a moment, this is an interesting thing to consider. What if history had been different? What if Lord Nelson had lost the Battle of Trafalgar? Wellington had been defeated by Napoleon at Waterloo. Washington, Lafayette had lost the Battle of Yorktown. Watt had not developed the steam engine. Jenner had not discovered the vaccine for smallpox and Fleming not uh, developed penicillin. Bolivia had failed in South America. Montesquieu had never written a sentence. His writings been absolutely influential on the American. Churchill had written to defeat in the Second World War. Raffles had not founded Singapore. Even this Professor Naismith, uh, who you probably haven't heard of, but he was the guy who invented basketball. The list is a long one. Clearly that these many individuals in a myriad of ways, large and small, the world today would be a very different place and we would be much the poorer as a result. One would like to muse, and I think we can, that the principles of Freemasonry have, have made a difference to each of my subjects personally, as they undoubtedly have for many, many thousands of men over the past centuries. So that's the introduction to the book. That sets out what it's about and why I have written it. Now, as I say, it goes into next the nature and purpose of Freemasonry and a very brief look at Masonic history. I won't go through those at the moment. But what I will do, and I'm doing this for a reason, is I will go through the, the short page on Masonic idioms. Now remember, this book has been written specifically assuming that anybody picking it up to reading, read it is not a Freemason, knows nothing about it. That's why I have written this particular page. It would be useful for the Masonic, non-Masonic reader to be aware of the basic idioms and lingual franker of Freemasonry. Now, the primary unit of Freemasonry is a Masonic lodge. There were, of course, lodges before grand lodges. Put in element, elementary terms, a lodge is the essential means for Freemasons to congregate, to make new Masons and assimilate the teachers, teachings of principles beside over by a worshipful master, who is usually elected annually, on completion of his term in office, a master simply becomes a past master. The lodge meetings include ritualized ceremonies known as degrees, which are confirmed on candidates at, at intervals, and the ceremony is known as initiation. The second degree is that of fellow craft and uh, is known as passing, while the third is called the sublime degree of a master mason and is known as raising. Thus, a mason who has experienced all three ceremonies is said to have been initiated, passed and raised. 
It is only when he becomes a master mason that he is enabled, if he wishes, to take office in the lodge and proceed in time to the office of worshipful master. When these ceremonies are not being worked, lodge meetings are likely to be given over to talks or discussions on Masonic subjects. Now, at the end of each biographical entry in this book, I established the Masonic membership of the subject, usually giving the date he was made a Mason or initiated, which are the same thing, and other details relevant to his membership. As noted earlier in my history, the vast majority of uh, countries in the world possess at least one recognised Masonic Grand Lodge. In some countries, there are at least one Grand Lodge for each state or province, such as in the United States of America, Canada or Australia. A Grand Lodge is the peak ruling body in its area, often with several hundred or more lodges under it. As an individual lodge is led by its worshipful master, so the leader of a Grand Lodge is its most worshipful Grand Master. Grand Masters are usually elected or re-elected annually. In the United States and Canada, for example, it is usual for a Grand Master to serve a one-year term of office. Elsewhere in the world, the term is often up to five years or longer. In the text, and this is an important point which I'm about to mention now because it explains a few things which I'll mention shortly, I occasionally refer to one of my subjects as having been made a mason on site. Now, I don't know how many of you know this largely American practice. Having been made a mason on site rather than the far more usual practice of a person, a man joining an individual Masonic Lodge. The practice is almost exclusively American. What is meant by the term making a mason at site is not clear. The majority opinion is that it is the power restricted to a Grand Master alone to make a mason without the candidate having been subjected to lodge scrutiny and ballot, and so dispensing with the formal preliminaries associated with lawful or regular initiation. Historically, various American Grand Masters have used this prerogative and quite frequently, invariably this has been used to facilitate the initiation of prominent men, including some United States presidents. Now, there are quite a number of people in this book probably a dozen who have been made masons at sight. Now, having done all that, I go into a complete listing of all the 110 uh, people who I believe as Freemasons have changed the world. So you have, for instance, this fellow, uh, who was the founder of modern Turkey. A lot of people have no idea that he was a Freemason. Uh, on ballots, I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, he was reportedly initiated in Thessaloniki, which was then part of the Ottoman Empire, uh, in 1907 under the Grand Orient of France. Uh, several collaborators of Ataturk were initiated in Thessaloniki, over 80%, this is interesting, of his revolutionary officers were in fact Freemasons. Uh, in short, it is far more likely than not, there's more evidence than what I've written, it's more likely that a Turk was a Freemason than not. Another interesting character who uh, comes up, and I've had quite a lot of uh, feedback from, and I know Martin has, about being a Freemason, was Nelson Mandela. I mean, almost all of you would probably have absolutely no idea that Nelson Mandela was, in fact, a Freemason. Well, let's get to my Mandela in my book. 
we'll get there. I'll give the biography of Mandela. And then I get to the end. And this is the evidence. Brother Nelson Mandela was made a Mason on site by the then Grand Master of the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of North Carolina, William C. Park, in 1990, during Mandela's first visit to the United States. So we know the exact date on which Mandela was made a Freemason. Subsequently, the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of North Carolina chartered Nelson Mandela Lodge number 843. Now, some say, oh, it's a Prince Hall Grand Lodge. It's irregular, sorry. The um, Prince Hall Grand Lodge of North Carolina is fully recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England. In other words, England recognizes as the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of um, North Carolina does, that Nelson Mandela was indeed at a regular Freemason. Proofs in the book. Uh, you have people like Admiral Tippett from the First World War, Grand Admiral. Uh, Voltaire, he's an interesting fellow. He was only initiated a couple of years before his death at a great age and Benjamin Franklin was in, in fact present, another famous American in Paris. Uh, more uh, updated members, uh, Freemasons, Rick Wakeman, the famous musician, rock star and songwriter. In fact, he's a past master of Chelsea Lodge in London. Uh, George Wills, uh, several boxers, several Prince Hall Freemasons, a lot of people would not realize or did not know that uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten now. The uh, heavyweight champion of the world. Um, yeah. Have a, having a metal blank was a Freemason. The famous uh, American uh, a Freemason. And he was another one who was made a Mason on site. Uh, many men from, of course, Americans from uh, film industry, presidents, uh, lots of interesting Englishmen, a few from around the world. There's a, a, part, a first uh, Prime Minister of Canada is in the book, a prominent Australian Prime Minister is in the book, uh, a couple of Frenchmen, the fellow who uh, gave the, designed and built uh, the Statue of Liberty in America. Uh, Bartoli uh, was a French Freemason and he's in the book. Uh, Rudyard Kipling, of course, which most people would know was a Freemason. People like John Wayne, the American novelist and, and Nobel laureate, John Steinbeck. Possibly one of the world's most famous guys. Um, it's a terribly interesting read. One of the interesting things that I've done with each of the people in the book is next to a photo and under each heading, the name of the person and basically who he was, there's a photo of the brother concerned. I have put in a couple of quotes from that person. And it's incredibly interesting to do so. I've just turned to Henry Ford, the quotes next to him, thinking it's the hardest work there is which is probably the reason so few engagement of the world than the world, do more for the world than the world does for you. That is success. And that's very much a Masonic teaching. Uh, I'll just go over Benjamin Franklin. There was never a, a good war or a bad peace. What is 
is more value than gold, says Franklin. Diamond virtue, says Franklin. Uh, I'll just flick over uh, and find another one. Let's see, Rudyard Kipling, this is very good. We have 40 million reasons for failure, but not a single excuse. That's very good, I like that. Uh, McKinley, the President of the United States, war should never be entered upon until every agency of peace has been explored. And of course, coming to Mandela, a winner is a dreamer who never gives up. It, it always seems impossible, and it's a quote I really like too from Mandela, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Some of them are quite uh, humorous uh, as you go through. Alexander Pope, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. That of course is one of the most famous sayings that uh, anybody has ever said, I think. Uh, again, said by a friend. Lionel Richie, very famous American singer and songwriter, who came out here a few years ago and played at the football grand final here. Uh, and this is an interesting one I quite like from him. When your past calls don't answer, it has nothing new to say. <laughs> I think that's very good too. <laughs> uh, Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken fame. A uh, very keen Freemason. <laughs> and this is interesting. Typical American saying. There is no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. <laughs> I rather like that. Um, and uh, I'll finish with uh, a couple of others. Jonathan Swift. Vision, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. It's quite a goodie too. What? The inventor, developer of the steam engine. <coughs> a lie can run around the world before the truth even gets its boots on. <laughs> and another interesting one, and I like this, this is from the first Duke of Wellington, the Iron Duke. Isn't obviously, being born in a stable does not make one a horse. Uh, that's a good one to remember, I see. And I'll finish with His Majesty King William IV, the last quote I'll give you. And there are literally hundreds in a book is service to others. And I think in the end, that's what we can say about the 110 Freemasons in this book. The world, and they've arranged the world. So that others, some in a larger way. <clears throat> One could hardly argue the case that um, Count Basie, the famous jazz musician, has changed the world more than Winston Churchill. But still, in terms of, of music, Count Basie made an incredible contribution to the world. Um, you could also argue that, you know, Buzz Off on the Moon, how did he change the world? Well, just our perceptions of ourselves and the universe could be added to Buzz Aldrin. And so it goes on. Um, some incredible people, and uh, each one is intensely interesting to have a bit of a read on. I will finish with what I've put in the book. And it's a little poem that none of you have probably seen before, or very few of you, if any. And I put this in after my introduction, and it's called The Measure of a Man. And it really describes not what did he gain, but what did he give. These are the units of a man as a man to measure the work regardless of the work. What was his station? And had he a heart? And did he play his God-given part? Was he ever ready with a word of good cheer to bring back a smile to banish a tear? Not what was his church, nor what was his creed, 
but had he defended those really in the, in the sketch in the newspaper say but how many were sorry when he passed away thank you brethren questions if there are any wonderful that what a a beautifully flowing and inspiring presentation there there kent and uh uh, yes, you did break up a little bit now and again, but that just forces us to purchase or to read the book because we have to find yeah, out. I've, I've, put, it, I've put it back on video again. Um, so, yes, now it's time for me so as the publisher. That's what, Kitty, that's what Kitty tells me anyway. Yes, that's very true. Uh, now it's my time to ask you a few questions before we open the floor to others. And I'd like to start with this, Kent. Do you believe that the reason why uh, we have so many famous Freemasons is because the people who join Freemasonry are very interested in uh, self-improvement and helping the world, they're motivated, they're sort of A-type people, or do you think it's just because our organisation is, is very big and has been very big? Is there any connection with rising to eminence in life and being a Freemason uh, in, in actuality, in your opinion? Well, the first thing you can say is, you can easily write a book of a hundred people who work Freemasons. Um, that's the first thing you could say. You know, you could name lots and lots of very famous people who work Freemasons. Hmm. Um, so, it's a bit hard to say that one. It really is, but I think you, uh, rather than a, than a group thing, I mean, people join Freemasonry because of their perceptions of the organisation, what they contribute and what it will contribute to them personally. And I say that in my introduction. Mm. And I think the fact hey, I could have made it 500 uh, Freemasons uh, easily in the book, um, that the fact that they have joined Freemasonry, as as the Right Honourable Earl of Dunmore says in his introduction, so um, they did it for obvious reasons. The reasons why we all joined, they're all obvious to us, but not necessarily to the outside world. Um, that's about all I can say on that, I think. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, my second question. The making the mason on site. And um, I wonder if you could clarify a little bit. I, I've always wondered and found it hard to try to understand. Does this mean that the, uh, the Grand Master of that state uh, approves the person to go through a ceremony on site without all the forms or anything? Or is it literally, they see you and say, you're a Freemason, and you say, yes, I am, and that's it. Yeah, do they get the word? Do they learn the signs? Do they take any vow? Is there an actual ceremony with the making a Mason on site? It, I think I, in my study, and it's, it's, it's a study that's ongoing, actually, I'm thinking of writing a paper on that in due course. Quite a lot of the information to gather, and I'm not quite sure to what extent it's been addressed by our American brethren. Mm. Research brethren, the subject of interest in my book, The Masonic Grand Masters of Australia, I actually wrote 
let me just put my hand on the book if I can. Ah, yes. In my Masonic Grand Masters of Australia section on uh, making Freemasons on site, if I can put my hand on it quickly. Uh, I don't, I'll, I'll flip through it as I'm talking. Now, it actually happens when an American Grand Master, and it only happens in America, or under Grand Lodges with uh, who are descended from America. I believe it has happened in the Philippines. Their ritual originally comes from California. They were a web form ritual. Uh, but basically it's America. And uh, certainly there is no prerequisites, as I say in my, in my latest book. I don't have to be proposed Approved an open lodge, you're a good guy, as far as I'm concerned, you're it. Now, certainly the Grand Master in every case meets the person concerned on the day that he's admitted. That is no, that's not in question. It definitely happened. Certainly the Mandela time of the Grand Master of the Prince or Grand Lodge of North Carolina. Now, I think it's unlikely in most cases that the full ceremonies worked. I think it's more likely in each case that a synopsis of the degrees were given and the secrets. I think that's more likely the case. But again, I don't know. Uh, I'm still looking into the matter. But the whole point, as far as that Grand Lodge is concerned, is a Freemason. Full stop, end of story, and over out. He's a member of that Grand Lodge. Mm. And mm. assuming that Grand Lodge is recognised by your Grand Lodge, then he's a regular Freemason. I said earlier, is recognised by the UGLA. So as far as the UGLA is concerned, without question, Mandela is a regular, not just a Freemason, but a regular Freemason, a recognised regular Freemason. There are several American presidents who were done. Uh, I think John Wayne, I'd have to look that one up, was made a Mason on site. Um, so it's interesting. I'm still looking into it. Uh, but the, but the, the, the main point is there is no question that Masonic and certainly the person who became a Freemason in that way was definitely present in the room, in a room with that Grand Master of the day at the time. What actually happened to make him a Freemason, I think that's probably variable. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Now, um, Kent, it's lovely talking to you. Know, I've got some other questions, but you are still breaking up mm, a little go bit. On. I wonder... Sorry, go on. I, I, I'll, get, I'll, get of, I'll get rid of my um, video again. Okay. Hopefully that'll help. I'm wondering if leaving no, coming back might work, but uh, David will be able to advise whether that's that's anything that would do anything. So my final question, and then we'll open to other people. We're talking about inspirational figures. Have you got Masonic heroes or a hero or heroine? Has any is there anyone that you really look up to and think, wow? And are they a famous Freemason 
or just a humble publisher or something no, like that? Well, <laughs> um, probably not. Um, in terms of their, in terms of them being a Freemason, probably not. If I had to choose the one person in this book who has made, in my view, the greatest uh, contribution, who has changed the world the most, shall we say, I would choose Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Right, okay, so now it's time um, to move the question to others. Very different. And um, so I will be in charge of uh, the, the people who raise their hands here. And uh, I believe, would it be, I think, Hasu, are you in charge? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep an eye on You're in charge the, of the, the people YouTube. on the feeds. So, yeah. right, Worshipful Ponytail, as, as always, it's, it's, you've, you've taken the role that Hasu used to here. Of the, the first interrogator. I, I didn't want to rush. Yeah. <laughs> it's midday. Well, speaking of Masons, you look up to. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Brother Kent, I was just wondering if the um, the boxer that you couldn't recall was uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, who was a member of um, Joppa Prince Hall number 55 in New York. Mm. Yeah, I'm aware of that, but you know, I had to cut the line somewhere. Um, you no, know, I, I had didn't know if that would, was that who you were trying to recall at the time. No, no, I was I was trying to recall. Um, and I still haven't. Um, smoking Joe Fraser, just to have. Oh, okay. Smoking Joe Fraser, uh -huh. in the world is in the book, but Sugar Ray Robertson isn't. Didn't, didn't I, I considered him, but again, you know, there's another 10, 20 people I really considered, you know, I yep. could have gone to <coughs> Hilton, the founder of the Hilton Hotels. I mean, he was a Freemason, uh, and there are several others, but I just had to, I, I really didn't want to make the book a dictionary of biography or a complete tome. I mean, where do you cut it off? As I said earlier, um, you know, somebody else writing this book would probably include a lot of them, but there'd be others that I've included, haven't included, they would include. That's the way it is. By the way, on another note, the way I used to get over jet lag when I was visiting my wife in, uh, in Bendigo was to uh, put my coffee machine to uh, Australian Eastern time for a month <laughs> <where> I, <would> go. <laughs> I was probably the only person that flew into Tullamarine that was still awake all the way to Bendigo. <laughs> yeah, well, there's several theories about how you can fix jet lag. One is make sure that you're awake when people in Australia are awake, when you're asleep when people in Australia are asleep. Um, on the way over and even a few days beforehand, if you can do it. Wonderful. I will, I will listen to all this advice. Um, I've turned my video off in some attempt to help with the bandwidth, but Hasu, it's your your question now. Thank you, Martin. Thank uh, Kent for that uh, excellent presentation. Uh, unfortunately, it broke up, but it made a lot of sense and uh, it was uh, very interesting. My question or my thought was about uh, famous, the word famous and Freemasons. 
did, did many of those who were famous became Freemasons after they found fame, or did a lot of them were Freemasons before they became famous? Because obviously they were already in the organization before they achieved some sort of fame, whatever it was. Um, in a number of cases, that's true. Uh, a significant majority became Freemasons early in their life rather than later. There are exceptions to the rule, as I say, I said before, Voltaire was initiated two years before he died at a very ripe old age. Um, and of course, the Masons who were made at sight were made, were made at sight, which is the reason they were. Um, you know, um, but the vast majority um, were Freemasons before they became famous, you know, before they became President of the United States or whatever they became subsequently. So, so it was a, sort of a, a mix of the two. Really, there was no real. Uh, yeah, well, you, you couldn't. You couldn't say. I mean, you could go through. You could quantify it. Yeah. You could actually go through the book and look at all the the, the date of birth and when he made we made a Freemason and when he became famous in inverted commas. You could actually do it. You could sit down yeah. if you wanted to go through the book and you could work yeah. it out that uh, two hundred and ten, you know, ninety one were Freemasons early in life or whatever it was. I mean, you could yeah. do that. That is very interesting. Thank you very much for that. I was just curious about that. I don't know. But again, the other thing that you mentioned was making our masons on site. This is a very interesting criteria because, in a way, it shows that the person is principled, has the same values as what we expect every mason to have. And someone has recognized that without having to go through the process. I yeah. think all of us here. Yeah, I was going to say, I think all of us here, though, with the making the mason on site, are thinking, hmm, doesn't feel very right that they're, you'd, one of the things about what we would see as a Freemason is the well, shared experience. And I'm not saying it's not real or that the Grand Lodge rule doesn't apply. I'm just saying we kind of would prefer the person went through the ceremony and experienced it and because it, the changes from it. I think everyone here feels a bit like that. But, but but today we have internet degrees, which are it may well, really... it may... Look, it may well be, and I think in a number of cases it is, that having been made a mason at site, the brother concerned, the new famous brother, if you like, subsequently joined the lodge from the occasions when he could. Uh, but there are many famous presidents, for example, of the, I think there's about a dozen or so, do, at least a dozen American presidents or masons, the last one was Jill um, Ford, yes, uh, who were actually Mason's women. Um, he was a Mason very early in life and was very, very active, even as president, uh, right through his life. He finished up 33rd degree in the Scottish Rite, um, and he beca actually became Grand Master of the Grand Lodge. They don't do that if you're inactive. <laughs> uh, so, you know. I don't think we can say that just because a fellow has been made a mason on site, therefore, ipso facto, it's just a giving a gong and he did nothing subsequently. In some cases, that may be true. But in a lot of cases, I don't think it is. But again, it's a paper that needs to, uh, that is yet to be written. Mm. Yes. Um, I, I would... dearly like to do, I don't know. But it's certainly a paper I'd like to do. I'd like to sit down and Look at each individual and who has been made a mason on site and uh, research where it was done, what happened subsequently, what happened at the on the time, and what was his subsequent.
the group Masonic involvement to get some sort of handle on the um, how how it's panned out over the years. But you know, down the track. But would that have been minuted as such in the records of Grand uh, Grand Oh, absolutely. Grand oh, absolutely. You you are not going to. you're not going to initiate a forget about it. And that's why I've got the date that Mandela was uh, actually initiated. Actually, no donation on site. Uh, so, 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 that, you, you might lose the, the records of Brother Fred Nurk, Yankin, you're going to lose the records of the President of the United States. So, so a diligent secretary might have just jotted down a few points. Sorry, I didn't catch that. I was just going to say a diligent secretary may have just uh, jotted down a few points as to Oh, what happened yeah. rather oh, than yeah. the whole ceremony saying uh, as i say as i say in my introduction if a lodge has got a member who is famous even if it was even if only in the masonic sense you know they're going to let people know they're not going to sharp about it i mean if somebody is imaginary we will know um it's going to get out <laughs> for sure um so you know that's it's something you can't hide certainly not in the modern era uh, you know, going back 100, 200 years when records were dodgy. Um, you know, I, I've, I've delved into the, um, for another paper I wrote at the Grand Lodge Library in London, uh, offices. And they've got a card system at Freemasons Hall in London with all the details they have of the Grand Lodge offices going back. And the further back you go in history, the more um, sparse the details on the cards become, <laughs> to the point where, you know, worship of Brother John Smith was a Freemason, full stop, or close to it. Or he may have been a member of such and such a lodge, whereas obviously the records today are up to speed. So, um, yeah. So really the lodge records... Records were beginning were kept up to date would have been the best source of any information, even if it didn't go up to the Grand Lodge in terms of information. Well, you've got to appreciate, particularly in the likes of Europe, mm. uh, most of their early records have been long since lost. Uh, through war, pestilence, fires, you know, even the United States going back, a lot of records have been lost. Back in the Morgan era, um, you know, a lot of records were destroyed. Um, when you had the Morgan affair. Uh, so, uh, you know, it is difficult the further back you go. No trouble proving your fellow who was initiated last year. But the further back you go in time, the harder it is to establish the bona fides of a person. Um, if you look at my entry on uh, Lord Nelson, there is no definitive evidence at all of a lodgy generality evidence, which I present in the book, makes a very powerful case. There's no question that Lord Nelson was in fact a Freemason. Um, so he almost certainly joined the same lodge as uh, William IV when he was Duke of Clarence, I think it was. Almost certainly he was a member of the same lodge, but there's no proof. That's, that's the assumption one can make quite easily, but there's no proof. The records just aren't there. Anything else? Martin, we've got a hand up there, I think. Yep. Yes. Hello. Um, 
So, yes, I think what we'll do is we'll make this the last one. Uh, we've been sort of fighting through poor signal, but we've managed to hear a lot of what Kent says. But if you've got a, a question, uh, you can email it to uh, via the Lewis Masonic site and we could get it to Kent. Um, but we'll, we'll have one more go and uh, then thank Kent for his his time here. So, Lemuel. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I've seen the miss on site in the Bahamas. Well, I'd love to visit the Bahamas. I'll be... Yes, but the question is, though, I'll be there would, the European, would the European Grand Lodges or orders admit those persons to their ceremonies? Sorry, admit who to their ceremonies? Would the European Grand Lodges, the Metropolitan the Grand Lodges, um, the European Grand Lodges like Scotland, Ireland and England admit those persons to their ceremony. Well, yes, if, if a lodge or any grand lodge will, will admit any Freemason as a visitor of their lodges, providing they can prove their bona fides, that they come from a recognised grand lodge. Yeah, because uh, they tend to up. give them up to, when they make the Masons on site, they tend to give them up to the 33rd degree. No, no, look, if, if the grand lodge of, let's pick Austria, recognises the Prince or Grand Lodge of uh, North Carolina and Nelson Mandela turned up to visit one of their lodges, there is no question that Nelson Mandela was a regular Freemason as far as that Grand Lodge is concerned and he would be entitled to visit. Um, how a Mason is made, I mean, the, the rituals are different in similar but different right across the Masonic world. Uh, the Grand Lodges do not judge another Grand Lodges on the basis of its ritual. They, they base it on its constitutional requirements and on the ancient landmarks of the order uh, to determine well, whether a uh, Grand Lodge is regular. And if, you know, in, my in Grand Lodge recognises the Grand Lodge of Bolivia. In the Scottish Constitution, the master has to take a has to take an obligation that he would not admit anybody to the ceremonies unless that person has passed through. Of course. Well, that's right. It's a uh, similar ceremony. In my lodge here in Victoria, the master takes an obligation that he won't admit anybody into his lodge who is irregular and comes from an irregular lodge. And if, if there's any queries about a brother visiting, he'll contact the Grand Lodge, he'll soon... Uh, and the last question I want to ask We do you. indeed recognise that, yes. and uh, he's got his uh, letter of introduction or certificate, therefore he's, he's proven. Uh, I will so, leave that and go to the last question that I want to ask you. In the sure. research that you have done for this book, um, has a good percentage of these famous men really practiced Freemasonry, moving from the entered apprentice to master and going to their grand, uh, holding offices in their grand lodges, or they just park themselves at Entered apprentice or fellow of craft or master mason. I didn't go any further. Well, can't become at least master mason. No, there are a couple who didn't get that far. Gerald Ford, the president, first president of the United States, only got as far as entered apprentice, I think. But still, he was initiated. Uh, therefore, he's a Freemason. Uh, <clears throat> look, it depends on time and interest, uh, but mostly time. I mean, most of these people in my book are very time deficient in terms of anything else but the uh, you know one could hardly expect Winston Churchill you know, during the during his, during his career to be going on a regular basis once a week to a Masonic Lodge meeting he had a few other things to do 
like run a country and get rid of Hitler and so on and so forth and so on. Well, I remember, I'm not criticizing it. I'm um, asking so, if they were regular practitioners and not just entering. Oh, what you're saying is, what, oh, I see, what you're saying is that, all right, Winston Churchill I'm initiated the early days. Did he continue to practice his free market? Well, in some cases, no. In some cases, they left, didn't rejoin, too busy for whatever reason. There are others who remained a member all their life, and Churchill was one, but he probably hardly attended a lodge in, in his, you know, 50 years since he became one, simply because he didn't have the time, uh, probably. Um, you know, again, as I said in my introduction, you cannot judge any of the people in this book by the amount of time they have spent uh, in direct to do so. Um, the, the fact is that they are Freemason. Um, and I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time at the lodge. The fellow I, down the street spends less time. Well, you can't say I'm a better guy and a better Freemason because I go at a lodge more often than he does. Uh, or my brother. Uh, so I don't think you can go down that course at all. And I certainly don't. So I take it Wonderful. that's about it. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Kent. It's, it was superb to, to see you and hear you today. And uh, yeah, it's, we've all uh, learned a few things and found some things uh, about famous brothers that we hadn't before. So yes, with that said, I, I did mention that we'd call it to an end after that, that question. Um, and, uh, but uh, if, if anyone has got something they'd like to ask and uh, rather than here where we're only getting a, a bit of Kent's very eloquent answers. If it's not available in the book, uh, do contact Kent um, via me, via the Lewis Masonic website. Just fill in the contact form and anything like that. We can, we can... All, all the answers are in the book, fear not. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much, everyone, for attending. It's been a, an honour as, as usual, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much, and we'll be seeing you soon next time. Thank you, Hasu. Thank you, no, Martin. Not a problem, not a problem. Thank you. Thank you. Some of those questions that were in the chat, uh, uh, Caleb, you mentioned a few things. It's, it's interesting, but uh, time is uh, of the essence, and I think our brother Kent also, being that far away, needs to have his breaks and laughs. <laughs> and you too, David. So your day starts. Ours is coming the other way around. But thank you everyone for attending and look forward to seeing uh, you all at the next uh, uh, next gathering. Thank you. I will end the meeting then in next few seconds. Mm -hmm. I will be seeing you soon. When's the next one, David? Uh, this week? Uh, I, I have to check the calendar. Ah, okay. okay. I, I will let you know. All right. Then. No problems. Uh, so, yeah, I will... I will see you. Uh, we, we got some late. Uh, shame we got some late entrants coming in with the. Uh, I'm sure with some good uh, conversations and questions, but for the next time, Paul, yeah, yes, yeah, the reason that we're, we're late. <laughs> shame, yes. it's all this uh, switching around the, of the, times, um, the face started at one o'clock. Yes, <laughs> yes. But hopefully we we have a better uh, recording and maybe we can try again another time if uh, we can get uh, the speaker back. David? 
sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was breaking up too much, so we um, we thought that maybe it would be better to uh, to think of the future uh, meetings and yes. uh, try to continue with the uh, with the interrupted um, communication. And I, I also think that because of the time changes, a lot of um, those who attend yes. probably didn't look at the time change, even though you highlighted. But such is such is the nature of our our Zoom meetings from all over the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we try to accommodate the uh, Kent's uh, Kent's timing uh, and uh, that kind of change. Very, very, very interesting. Very interesting speaker. And as I said, I I bought his book called The Masonic World Guide, which was a 1984 edition. And there is so much information about masonry in 1984. And you know, everyone thought masonry was secret, and every, I mean, you know, you list which uh, where the headquarters are, what lodges meet there. Even countries in the Middle East is listed those, you know, where the lodges are. Is listed Saudi Arabia as having lodges uh, under uh, 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 the Canadian Grand Lodge under uh, the German. <coughs> so, so very interesting also. But. But as I said, yeah, David, I think that that's all of us who are left here now. So if they want to, to <laughs> okay, okay, I will, uh, I will end the meeting then, and uh, we'll be seeing you next time. Okay. Thanks, everyone.